welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's me, Jenny, here with our co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. How are you doing, Dan? If you're not excited, you're not invited. I just learned that one. <laughs> Two weeks ago, and I absolutely love it. Nice. You thought about that one. <laughs> I did. I thought about that. I'm like, I got to reuse this, Justin. And I thought it's just the place to use it. Nice. Well, welcome back to this podcast with me. Um, it's today, it's just you and me. And we have a really interesting topic today. Um, today, we'll be talking about effective and mindful trainer communication. This is Super, it's a kind of a hot topic, but it's super important for people to understand how we can effectively communicate with people um, while being inclusive and making them feel valued and not necessarily, you know, saying things that we shouldn't say, or as we like to say, put our foot in our mouths. Um, we do it a lot more than we think, right? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's almost unfortunate that we have to call it a hot topic because to me, this is personal training 101. Yeah, um, it's always being respectful, always being inclusive, thinking before you speak. Uh, so I'm glad that we're bringing, you know, bringing more awareness to it, being able to address it here, because uh, that that trainer client relationship is unlike any other professional relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a lot that goes into our communication with clients and building that relationship. And it's not just necessarily the words that we use or what words we should avoid with clients. But in my opinion, it's also learning about how the client actually feels about themselves. Right. So you may see them as like, oh, you're so strong. You have, you know, four kids, you're doing great, but they may not see themselves in that same light. Um, so their attitude towards the language that you use might be different. You know, the way they interpret it might be different. They hear something different. Have you ever experienced that? Absolutely. And, and I think it goes right back to, we have two ears and one mouth and the way that we begin these, these conversations, what I like to call building a relationship is through listening. It's, it's through listening, ask very specific, uh, safe questions to learn as much as you can about the person in front of you, the human being inside the human body. And that's going to really help set the pace for what kind of words they like to use. And you use the, you, you use the words that they use and you repeat the words that they use uh, rather than assuming that, that your method of communication and your language is going to be the most effective. Yeah. I've heard you talk about that before. It's effectively mirroring someone, right? Cause this client that you have in front of you right now might use certain language, but your next client might be super free and like very colloquial, like very fun and, you know, energetic. And they have a completely different communication style. Didn't you say that that was the way that you became a trainer? Cause you're kind of reserved. Whereas Absolutely. You like definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely mirroring and matching. Uh, I'm very reserved, very direct, um, you know, uh, naturally, but if I had a high energy or excited, you know, more boisterous person in front of me, I would be like a, a bump on a log. Right. And that nobody wants to train with a bump on a log. So you have to mirror and match and, and take that up. And it's not acting. Um, it's just, you know, pulling out another piece of yourself that isn't typically out there. 
So it's, it's not acting, it's not performing. It's being respectful of how that person likes to communicate. Absolutely. And it always starts with the assessment, whether it's the initial assessment, assessment or reassessment, when you're assessing somebody, um, you can gain a lot of information about them. Uh, One thing I like to do is ask them, you know, what are your goals, right? That's one thing that we always ask them. What are your goals? But when people, especially with social media, the way it is today, people will pull out their phone and say, I want to look like this person. And I'm like, so first of all, do you, do they compare themselves to others all the time? Right. Are you looking at somebody that is not your same stature, not your same age, like does a complete, has a completely different lifestyle than you saying, I want to look like that. If so, we might need to shift your thinking a little bit. And that's part of our job as a personal trainer. But then what language are they using around that person? Like, you know, are they saying the word sexy? Are they saying, you know, their, their waist is this big? Or like, what is it about this other person that they're trying to emulate and why, more importantly? Yeah, absolutely. And, and during that process, uh, I know you've, you've, uh, you know this, Jenny, and I'm sure you've taught it, uh, is we want to peel the onion. And, and so it's asking follow-up questions that are open-ended. So maybe I'm shown a picture on a phone and, you know, why, is, why do you want to look that way? Who else in your life might be impacted? What kind of support do you have? Have you, made, you, know, have you tried to do this before? What challenges did you experience last time? What do you think could have made it different? And you're going to dig out a whole lot of stuff that is going to help set the, the, the table for you so that you know basically what waters you're navigating and, and where you want to be careful because there's so many uh, variables that, that bring a person to a place where they say, I really need some professional help. Absolutely. And when it comes to that, if you could effectively change someone's mindset about their goals and what they want to look like, feel like their body composition, whatever it is, and make it something more subjective, um, data-driven versus objective, like appearance or somebody's opinion of something, um, do you feel like it's going to be a more effective training experience? I do definitely. And, and, you know, I I think of it as like intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, right? So as we peel that onion back, Ultimately, the final answer, if you keep digging, is I want to be happy. And one layer above that is going to be what they want to make them happy. And what you'll probably find is it it has very little to do with 20 pounds or two inches or anything like that. It's it's more uh, life-related, situational-related, or self-esteem and so forth. And you can find a lot of ways to help people feel, feel more comfortable in their confidence, their self-esteem, their sense of accomplishment without it having to be the 20 pounds. And we're not looking at the picture. We're not looking at the scale. We're digging into that one level above. I just want to be happy and working on that and letting them realize it, letting them see, are you feeling better? Are you moving better? Are you seeing the difference? Yes, I am. Well, that's fantastic. And making them verbalize that they're seeing a difference and they're making a difference again, not related to the 20 pounds. Absolutely. But I feel like you also have to continually check in with that person because you may help change their mindset, get them looking at a subjective goal and working towards it and making progress. But then on the outside, outwardly towards you, they might be expressing a certain, okay, she wants me to behave this way or say these things and it's going to make her happy. But how does that person really feel? Have you ever experienced that? You know, I I think I'm sure I have. Um, I, I think that... When I train somebody, it's uh, to your point, the stats are important because it shows whether it's a gain in strength, a gain in range of motion, uh, a, you know, a decrease in body fat composition, whatever it may be. But yes, yeah, there's that constant check-in and, and making sure that, and it really should be daily. 
and it should be throughout a session. You're always checking in and seeing if you're delivering. Because if you're delivering and they're happy with the experience and they're going to continue to work with you, given uh, enough time and, and digging into, you know, what it is that they want to really do, there's so much more we can do than sets and reps. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for me, I know I actually did this the other day and I kind of kicked myself, like literally put my foot in my mouth. I have a girlfriend that I know I've known for years and we work out three days, four days a week. And we were standing in front of one of those big tires. And it's one of those tires that's covered with uh, something that tells you how much it weighs. And I was like, oh, this tire weighs this many pounds. Oh, that weighs more than me. And she was like, she looked down at it and she said, that does not weigh more than me. And I was like, oh, snap, like, ooh. And she's the most confident person in the world, amazing woman. Like she's making progress, doing what she wants to do, but she's super happy with herself, just working on making herself better, you know, and a new improved version of herself. Um, But I was like, oh my gosh. And I've known this person for years. This is somebody I consider a dear friend. And I was like, why would I even say anything like that? I usually don't talk about weight or size or, oh, my waist is at this size now. Nobody cares, first of all. Second of all, it's unimportant for anybody other than somebody who's actually measuring it. Um, So for me, that was a huge, like, oh no moment. And I don't have those often, but when you do, like you, you very, very become, you very much become acutely aware of what you're saying to people. No doubt. And, and I, I would say we're probably all guilty. I know I am. Um, And I like to say uh, it's a conversation my wife and I actually have often and something that we're trying to instill in our son is to truly think before you speak. Yeah. So think about what you're going to say rather than just rattling off what's uh, on the top, you know, like an emotional response, for example, Um, because we don't know. I mean, who would have thought? I bet I bet if you'd have thought just for a minute, oh, you know, this, this, that probably wouldn't be the right thing to say, but I, yeah. there is no doubt um, that we're all going to find ourselves in those situations. And we don't know. Sometimes it's just an absolute, I never had a clue. And, and then we learn. Um, and I'm going to give you an example. And, 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 and it, it was something that, that I was just reminded of last week. So I was overseas last week and uh, there are a lot of, uh, I was in the Middle East and there was a lady there who I met several years ago. And when I met her several years ago, she asked me a question during a break and I put my hand on her shoulder, just being polite uh, and, you know, trying to, to, to be nice, very light touch. And she jumped back and I was like, oh my gosh. Well, what I didn't realize is that in the Muslim culture, you can't touch females. Uh-huh. And I was, I felt horrible. And I talked to some people there that I knew and they're like, hey, it's okay, man. It's okay. And I went and I apologized profusely. I learned from that. And then I actually saw her last week. And I'm like, do you remember that I was the guy? She's like, yeah, oh yeah. And then she was in my workshop. And I said, you taught me a lot. And the point of that story is we don't always know. We don't always know. Yeah, absolutely. And I see that a lot. With, we learn. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. We learn for sure. With the kids that I coach, I coach a lot of youth athletes, mostly girls, um, anywhere from 12 to 18 uh, and college age, even 
very susceptible to image problems and you know how they really think about themselves. I get it. I was a teenage girl once too. <laughs> so I've been there, but I'm super specific about what I wear around the girls. I very rarely wear shorts around the girls. I don't wear low cut tops. I always wear a t-shirt, long pants, leggings, something that covers me up. Um, mostly because I'm a bodybuilder and my body stands out in general, but also I don't want them looking at my body saying, I want to look like that. Or like, what did you do? Like, it's not that serious. You're a kid, just focus on growing and have fun. Um, but I also have to be super careful about the language that I use with them. Um, so not addressing like their shape or their size or their weight. It's never important. I don't measure that kind of stuff. If they want to, that's fine. Um, but I refer to things like, oh, your footwork is improving or, you know, your jumping has improved. We do measurements, subjective measurements, um, that will give them data versus giving them, you know, body shape and imagery issues. Um, so yeah, I'm super, super conscious of what I say around these kids. And I feel like I need to be a little bit more conscious of what I'm saying when I'm around adults too, just cause you know, just cause it's your friend or somebody you've known for a while, you can't just, you know, shoot it with them. You still have to be aware of what they're dealing with and what they're, what they're focused on. Um, unfortunately, but it is part of the job, but Dan, do you know of any skills that people can use trainers can use to help improve the way that they communicate with people besides for just being aware? You know, I, I, I think right back to kind of what I mentioned earlier, uh, is building a really strong relationship initially in listening and, and asking a lot of questions that again are, are open-ended and multi-layered. That's going to be, that's going to set the stage as much as possible for, you know, having some type of understanding of what's going to be, and I'm going to use the word safe, um, you know, what's going to be a safe type of a communication that that's not going to offend and so forth. Um, and the other thing is just ask. Um, it's okay to ask or to, to, to you know, say uh, what would be an example. Uh, what just, you know, ask, do, do, do you rather I say uh, your size or, do, or weight? Or do you rather I talk about your pant size or your weight or whatever it may be? Yeah. Just find out what it is that, they, that they're most comfortable with. Um, the extreme would be touching, of course, but... But being respectful, would you like to be called by your first name or Mr. Duran? Just ask. It's okay to ask things um, like that. Yeah. And I think that's part of being a good coach in general. Um, coaching is like there's health coaches, there's life coaches, there's sport coaches. Um, there's all kinds of coaches out there and they all have like a common theme as far as the skill set that you have to have and active listening, empathetic listening, um, but asking the right questions is a big part of it. We have to ask questions, but then you have to have, like you said, two ears, one mouth, let your ears do most of the work and focus on listening, ask questions that will encourage them to continue to speak open-ended questions that are more than just a yes or no answer. Um, and then really listen to what they're telling you and apply it, right? There's nothing better than when you tell someone, I don't like this, or I do like that. And then next thing you know, they're applying it and you're like, oh, you listened to me. I mean, for me personally, that's how I judge relationships. If I say something to you, like Dan as my friend, and I said, Hey Dan, I don't, I don't really like it when you do this, but you continue to do that. That means either you heard me, I told you I didn't like it. You just don't care at that point. And so I'm like, well, all right, then you're dead to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like it changes the way I would think about somebody. Whereas if they then made that adjustment and they never said that to me or did that again, then I'd be like, thank you for listening. You are a good listener. Thank you. You know, it means that they value your opinion and what you think and what you feel more importantly. So it is a lot about how we make people feel, right? They'll, people will forget what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. 
Very Absolutely. True. Yeah. Like my very first personal trainer 11 years ago, who helped me lose my 60 pounds. He made me feel awesome. He made me feel empowered. Um, he educated me because he knew that I was a science nerd, just like him. And he was very much a science nerd. Love you, Nate. Um, but he made sure that I felt like empowered to do what I needed to do. And I will never forget that feeling. And that's always the feeling that I want to leave my clients with. I want them to feel educated. I, I don't want them to feel like they need me forever. And that's a big part of my training. My boyfriend is so perplexed by that. He's like, why would you tell somebody up front that you don't want them to train with you for more than three to six months? I'm like, cause I don't, my goal is to give you three or six months, put you in your little cocoon. I'm going to show you what you need to do. And then you go turn into a butterfly and fly off, do what you need to do. Come back if you need help. Right. But Ultimately, I'm not going to be with you when you're 80 years old and working out like you're, you're going to need to learn how to do this stuff on your own. Great point. Great point. I mean, we want it's it's the the the, the three levels, right? Uh, autonomy, mastery and uh, shoot, I just drew a blank. I, I had it in my head. Uh, but basically, people want to be able to be self-sufficient and they yeah. want to be able to feel accomplished. They want to be able to feel like they're a part of something. Um autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And mm -hmm. they want to understand the why behind the what. So if you're giving them the why behind the what, and you're, you're demonstrating to them through your feedback that they are successful, and now they have a reason to do what they do, they can become self-sufficient. And that's ultimately what, I mean, that's what we want of everybody. If you're a parent, that's what you want of your children. We like to say uh, as parents, my wife and I, that we want to work our way out of a job as a parent by giving them the autonomy, mastery, and purpose to be able to be self-sufficient as soon as possible. Do Absolutely. we want them around all the time? Of course we do. But no, you we don't. Self-sufficient. <laughs> My mom would not have the same opinion. <laughs> I go over to her house all the time. She's like, why are you here? Go home. <laughs> Just kidding. But then I'm gone for a week and she's like, how come you never come see me? She can't make up her mind. <laughs> I was still getting lunches uh, for, for work at my mom's house in my 30s. So nice. She would insist <laughs> and I would drive by and pick up lunch. So God bless them. Moms are amazing. That's awesome. We've got another rapid review for you, this time on the ISSA Nutritionist course. And it's coming from Fabrizio based out of the Netherlands. That's right. Out of the Netherlands. What does he say? It is absolutely worth it for anyone who is interested in nutrition linked to athletic performance. Up-to-date information, lots of scientific references, study guides, and very useful to set you off for the final exam. Highly recommended exclamation point. Thank you, Fabrizio. Um, so I want to change the conversation about what not to say and like how to avoid saying the wrong things to how we can actually say the right things to make somebody feel included and valued and encouraged and motivated. Um, what kind of things do you recommend personal trainers do to help somebody feel included and motivated, encouraged? I think one thing is, you know, we'll train people with very different uh, hobbies or for lack of a better word, things they like to do. Um, and maybe, you know, for example, I trained a couple years ago and they were heavy duty gamers and that was what got them in, you know, in a health uh, place where they didn't want to be anymore. And so I can't relate to gaming. I don't like video games. I don't allow them in my house. Uh, and, and so, you know, if I came out and said, well, what are you wasting your time playing video games for? That would not be the right thing to do. So I actually learned about them and I had them teach me about them and tell me about the games that they played. 
and did a little research on my own so that I could ask them questions. They didn't give it up. They were still gaming, but they were adding in some exercise and changing their lifestyle. So one of the things I think, and, and again, it sounds silly, but same thing as parenting is uh, learn what they're interested in, whether it's a sport that they either play, their kids play, they watch and, and become a part of that circle instead of expecting them to be a part of yours or thinking that there's going to be a barrier between the two of you because you're a gamer and I'm not. Dan, and that's why you're a great coach. That's a really good attribute of a coach. And that's something that I've learned a lot about recently as I dive into coaching, life coaching, health coaching. Um, you have to meet them where they are. And it's up to us, like outside of that session, if somebody said they're interested in this, or maybe they have a cultural preference or they they have a religious preference, you know, um, learn more about it on your own so that you can come into that relationship informed or ask them, hey, I learned this about XYZ. Is that true? How do you feel about that? Like, what do you, do you subscribe to that? But they're going to be super impressed that you took the time to learn about it. Right. So for example, I have a couple of volleyball athletes, um, little girls. Um, there's a lot of Mormons in Arizona and they wear skirts when they play volleyball at all times. Um, and I had one girl who was from the Middle East who never wore shorts. She always wore leggings. And we actually had like a like a parent letter so that nobody could say anything about it. She wore leggings under her knee pads. Um, but I learned more about why. And I talked to the parents of the one girl wearing leggings. Like, tell me why. Like, I'd love to learn more about this. And she explained it to me willingly. She was like, thank you so much for asking. And I was like, I just want to be able to protect your child. If we're at a tournament and somebody wants to say something about it, I want to be able to explain it intelligently and understand it. But it also helped me understand this, this little girl and the little girls that wear skirts and better understand what it was that where they were coming from and why they do that. Um, but they were super impressed that, you know, you take the time to learn that about them and that you ask questions about it instead of just being like, all right, that's just the way they are. Right. Well, why can you explain why I'm a big why person? I like to know the why. <laughs> no, I, I think that's brilliant. And uh, absolutely. And if, if you want someone to feel comfortable and start talking, talk about something that interests them, right? Absolutely. Ask them a question, just like you said, Jenny. Uh, I've, one of my favorite things to do with older adults was to ask about their kids and their grandkids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a whole hour of talking right there. I just can start it <laughs> and it won't end until the session's over. And they're yeah. talking about something that they love more than anything. Yeah. So uh, back in my early days, uh, in my former career, I used to teach something called tactical communication. And we used to say, show me with so someone with something to win or lose, and I'll show you something I can use. And it's essentially find out what those things are that somebody's passionate about or that they fear and be able to just start the conversation and they won't stop talking. Absolutely. And then especially if you brought it up again in a later session, hey, how's your grandkid? They're going to be like, yeah. oh, you remember? How was the game? You know, your grandkids had a volleyball game or and this is children spouses, everything. Um, it's one of the, the, what I like to say, one of the 10 keys to retention is yeah. become a life resource and, and become more than just their trainer from 9am to 10am. Text them when you hear about uh, a new video game, for example, or ask them a question uh, about something that they're a specialist in. Uh, do some research for them on something. They're trying to find a good pair of shoes for their kid. Do some research. Yeah. Uh, so by, be a life them. resource. Remember their anniversaries. Remember their kids' birthdays. Understand. I used to go to my, when I was training youth, I would go to their games on the weekends. Oh, nice. Like, why is this guy who has kids of his own coming over and watching my kid play? Well, I wanted to see how they performed. And uh, one of the side effects was not intentional was I picked up a lot more clients are like, that's my coach and my training coach or, you know, strength coaching. 
you know how that is, Jenny. Uh, it, yeah. If you take an active interest in those children and that truly care about them, the rest takes care of itself. Absolutely. The college kids that I work with, I go to their games and matches as much as I can, um, mostly because it helps me as a coach too. If I can yeah. see how they're moving or where their deficits are, then I can create better programming to fix it or address it. And then explain to them why we're doing this exercise or this movement pattern. Because in the game, I saw this. Um, and asking questions is a great way to motivate people too, Dan. Um, I was thinking of another little girl that I used to coach who I had the hardest time connecting with this kid for like three months over last summer. I trained her in indoor volleyball lessons and she was just real quiet, real reserved, wouldn't make eye contact. And granted, she has a lot of stuff in her past that I learned over time. And by talking to her mom um, about her past and like her relationship with her family and stuff that created that personality of hers. But then I, one day I asked her, I was like, Tammy, I want you to get something out of this session. What do you need? What motivates you? What do you want to see out of these sessions? And all she told me, she wants to see the numbers. She's a stats kid. She wanted to see how, like in, in volleyball, you grade passes zero to three. She wanted to see her stats. And so from then on, and to this day, I take a notebook with a pen and it's Tammy's notebook. It's got little pink polka dots on it. And I wrote her name on the first page. And every lesson I write down the date, I write down what type of passing we're doing. And I just track as we go. And at the end, I put it all in a spreadsheet and I email it to her mom so she can see it. And this kid has lit up completely different kid, all because I'm coaching her the way she wanted to be coached because I asked. That's, that's a perfect example. Perfect. Yeah. So communication is huge in fitness and coaching of any type. So hopefully people are going to be a little bit more aware of what they're doing as far as coaching. Um, go get some more education on how to be a coach. There's tons of coaching federations out there, no matter what discipline you're in, that will teach you how to be a coach, what fundamentals you need to know, or the nine aspects or so of coaching that you need to know. And you can make yourself better on your own. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, knowledge is power. Absolutely. We know that. Uh, and one of the best places to learn is from that person right in front of you. Just ask questions, respect where they've come from and where they are, and where they want to go by asking uh, very uh, you know, specific questions about those three things. Where have you been? Where are you now? Where do you want to go? Yeah. And keep digging in there. Keep learning. Keep learning, respecting and, and, and loving, truly caring about the person in front of you. Because it's kind of like the, the world of supervising people, right? You don't supervise a team, you supervise a team member. Everybody is supervised differently. And it applies to coaching, it applies to parenting, uh, everything. So it's not a one size fits all and do as much learning as you can. But the person that's the expert is the person in front of you. Absolutely. Yeah, the client. There you go. Great conversation, Dan. Thank you so much for chatting this out with me. I hope you guys all go forth and communicate, but more importantly, go forth and listen, right? Learn and listen. Um, that's all you need to do. But thank you guys so much for joining us. We will talk to you next time on ISSA's podcast, Trainers Talking Truth. Yeah.